Welcome to another episode of NY Just Fans Podcast with host Davin Sharma Chris. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Just Fans Podcast, Instagram at NY Just Fans Podcast. As we get into another another week, um, training camp started yesterday, but they got to, uh, the players have to do COVID-19 testing. Um, so stay tuned, stay tuned for that. Uh, we should have some more news on, on that soon. Um, but let's talk about Jamal Adams. He finally got traded. Um, he got traded to the Seahawks. Uh, Adams in the fourth rounder for in 2022 for uh, two first rounders, uh, two first rounders, a first round and a third round for 2021, a first rounder for 2022, and a player, um, McDougal, uh, safety. Uh, Chris, uh, I don't think none of us Jets fans expected Adams to get traded for so much. Um, what would you grade this trade and why? You know what? Both sides, I think, right now, even though Seattle gave up a lot, so we're definitely going to get an A, A- minus for sure. Uh, I know people said, oh, you know, they probably gave up too much for Adams. But if Seattle thinks that Adams is the missing piece to go – further in the playoffs and go back to the Super Bowl, then then it's an A for them. You know, that's what kind of a chance you take with this guy for a player like this. Um, so I, I'll, I'll give them both A's, uh, but we'll see in a couple of years, obviously, from the Seahawks' point of view, are they going to re-sign him, number one? Number two, they better make it to the championship game. Well, this, I, I, I should say championship game. They should make it to the Super Bowl with him to really make this trade uh, pan out. And then on the other side, the Jets, yeah, that was two first-rounders, a third-rounder, and McDougal, who is a pretty good safety on his own. I'm not saying he's in Adams' league, but he's a pretty good starter. Um, that's a pretty good deal. But the whole thing is, now what are we going to do with those two first-round picks? And the third-rounder, obviously. But those two first-round picks better turn into some pretty good players, or was it really worth it? You know, not just a good player. I'm talking about elite player. Because that's what you gave up. You gave up one of the best safeties in the league, off the, you know, off the field, <laughs> crybaby, and all that, you know, spoiled brat, <laughs> whatever you want to say it. Yeah, horrible off the field, but on the field, there's no doubt what kind of a player that guy was. Huge impact. You're talking top safety, if not top safety, second one in the league, right? So, um, I, I mean, I, I give I give both teams A's on it right now. But further down the line is when we'll really get the final grade. But the immediate grade, I'll, I'll give A's for both teams. Yeah. Uh, uh, correctly, uh, Davin, what, what you said correctly was the fact that I don't think I heard anyone say that the Jets could have gotten uh, what the haul they got for him. Um, I think I heard one person say Seattle. Well, let me give props to my man Chris over here that actually was the second person that I heard say mention Seattle. I was listening listening to Scott Mason's podcast, Play Like a Jet, and he had a writer or sportscaster from Seattle that I think Corbin is his last name that said the same thing Chris said that Seattle was a, like a big deal, probably going to be the um, uh, one of the players, and which I, I didn't buy at first. But there you go. Um, this, is, this is huge for the Jets in one way. It, it, 
um, takes so it takes the like Chris said, takes away the you know the loud, obnoxious, off the field issues that they were having with Adams. It takes that away, and it replaces it with a more steady, uh, of course, not even closely talented you know on the talent side with Adams, but gives the Jets a guy that they can use. Um, trust me, Greg Williams is going to be able to use him. Um, there's a lot of uh, X and O's that, that, that we could talk about to kind of further understand or analyze the situation. It definitely could be done. Um, it's not that difficult, actually. Um, he is pretty good in safe. Um, Dougal is very good in safe in, in, uh, in, uh, in the back end of, of things. I think in, in the run game, he's a little bit off. He's not that good down there, but you could use guys like Poole or even May because May is more of a short tackler than he is. But anyway, you know, on the other side of things for Seattle, Seattle, you know, that's what they do. They've, they've always known to love safeties and BBs and that's what they exalt in their system as players that played on the play on the back end. And they think that this guy is going to be, the neck, the last piece to their Super Bowl uh, contention, and if people people have to also understand the kind of teams that they face in their division, namely the one team that went to the Super Bowl, the 49ers, who run those wide zone plays and and that plot pass, you know, on all that play action off of it, and you know, and they have probably the best tight end in the game to defend the best tight end in the game, you need the best safety, right? So, I mean, like Chris said, I, I will stay on the side of let's wait and see what, what that is. But on both sides, this is exact. they get exactly what they want. Uh, mm, you know, I, I debate about this with, with people uh, stating that we can't take loose change. Um, and to get two first rounders and a third rounder and the play is amazing. Uh, no, no, the play is worth. It's always what I said. And and for JD to to be wild with this trade is amazing. That lets you know that JD is not is not no slouch. So you know, shout out to Joe Douglas for that. Um, Seattle, Seattle. I feel like Seattle gave a little too much, but I guess Seattle wants to be on the championship win now situation so shout, I guess shout out to Seattle for, for getting Adams but um, you know as many options that can happen with this first rounder like since we have two first rounders um, at the end of this season coming up in the next season they can actually trade to get get a pro bowler they could trade to get to get one of the best players in the, um, in the draft so it's a lot of, it's a lot of options on the table right here and I and I like and I like this, you know, like as a Jet fan, you sh- you should feel weird, but you should feel good at the same time. <laughs> if you do, you understand, like yeah. you feel you, you feel weird. <laughs> <laughs> you feel weird. You feel weird because you're like, damn, we we actually had a GM that actually didn't, um, that basically got us got us good, um, a good trade package. I got us a package, and yes, it's twenty-five to thirty-two. But you can still, but you can still have get get a starter with that, with that, you know, with and that. And Davin, number. and Davin, not not to not to cut you off, but I want to really make a point 
of addressing what you just said about the 25 to 30, 31 um, statement. Um, people act like great players uh, are never being draft. Uh, have never been drafted in the late rounds in the late uh, late first round. That makes absolutely no sense to me. You know, I think teams miss more on the top ten than they miss down in the in the later rounds. We're talking about the best teams. Um, the best teams in the NFL normally pick in late, and they normally, you know, have a better view of what players they could pick. I mean, pick the name you could think of, man. A lot of some of the best players in the league were picked from number twenty of twenty to number thirty-one or thirty-two. So I, I, I definitely, um, I kind of uh, fight against that that uh, that argument that this is bad at all. This, like you said. Not only on the part of what you said, Davin, about, you know, you could definitely build a package to go wherever you want. It gives you a, a ridiculous amount of flexibility. But also, don't forget, you know, normally, normally the teams on the top are badly run teams and they're just looking to pick the most talented player, you know, they could see on the board. You, on the other hand, normally teams like Seattle and New England or whoever, the Chiefs that pick down, that pick down there, they do their homework and they normally get to pick really good players, players that actually stand the test of time in the NFL and on the later first round. So uh, uh, I'm, I don't think this is a negative at all. I think this is an all-round positive. It shouldn't be a negative because we have five picks in the, fir in the first three rounds. <laughs> in the next so two years. Yeah. Right. Yes. So, so we actually have that, that leverage that we never had in so long. That's why – I sit here and I'm like, damn, Joe Douglas, where the hell was you at 10 years ago, five years ago, <laughs> you know, so forth and so forth. But shout out to Joe Douglas. This was this was a, a great trade. Um, I would give Seattle a B plus because I don't I don't still I still don't see them being in a um in the Super Bowl right now. Um I think they still have a couple of holes to fill, but Adams will Adams will do what he does for that defense. So but I would give him a B plus. I'll give the Jets an A plus. But you know, to each his own. Um, let's and, let's also wait, wait, go right ahead, Chris. Wait, I just wanted to say one thing. We got to give you credit because you're one of the few people that <laughs> said that this trade would happen. Was going to happen? Yeah. Oh yeah, I did. I did say that uh, oh. last week that it was going to happen. This week and it happened two yeah. days I'm after. Gonna, <laughs> I, and I know you're not the type to pat yourself on the back, but I'm patting you on your back. For, for, Call yeah. I thought for sure it would be next year if I was going to be, you know, betting on it, but you were 100% right on that. So, good call. Yeah, yeah, Chris, Chris, yeah. <laughs> yeah, both of you guys actually, um, like I said, Chris before said, mentioned Seattle's name. And the only other person that I heard that said that was that writer from Seattle, that the Corbin guy that I heard on, the, on Scott Mason's podcast. It was the only two people I heard Seattle's name from. And right. Davin was the was Davin basically put his foot down, which he always does these things where he calls he calls a, he's like yeah heads and then you're like yeah how the how the hell do you know man <laughs> and like, Seattle I just thought Seattle was you know because they didn't have great I mean they have decent safeties but nothing like him and they're always looking to improve their defense more than their offense you know and correct a little bit of cap space they had like whatever it was. You know, they had over 10. They had like 13 or something, whatever it was. So I figured them as a possibility. But 
you know, that was the only reason why that, that team came to mind. Great, right. great, great, great stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not to say, you know, teamwork makes the dream work, but, you know, I, yeah, I'm surprised Adams, well, Adams don't know who I am. I'm surprised he ain't, he ain't blocked me yet, like how he blocked other Jet fans. But anyways, let's, let's, get, <laughs> let's, let's get to uh, Joe Douglas, uh, Adam Gase. Uh, they, they, they have much to say, including Joe Douglas that said uh, he never mentioned about uh, signing Adams to like a extension and, and you know, from from what the interviews are are saying, Chris, I I know you have I know you have probably listened more. Um, I didn't get the chance to. Uh, can you give the fans what they said about this Adam situation and how the interview went with both of them? Well, both of them, it seems they were pretty straightforward. Um, with uh, with Douglas, he basically said they didn't make any offer. They, they didn't promise any offer to him, but they did tell him on more than one occasion that we'd like to have you as a jet long-term that they did say, but they never said, we're going to send you a contract this year. We're going to get this done this year. They never promised any of that. So that's what I got out of it. And they were talking to a few teams about Adams as well, but Seattle obviously was the most uh, interested and gave him the best offer. And Gase didn't, didn't say much either. You know, I mean, he just praised Adam. Adams for most for the most part, but said he just didn't want to be here. And in the end, he just didn't want to be here. You know, they did mention, they did ask uh, Gase if any of the other players reached out to him after the trade, you know, any of the players reached out to Gase, and he said no. Now, I don't know if you could look at that as a positive or a negative, or neither, you know, mm. but uh, I guess you could look at it both ways, you know, like positive way, it's like, yeah, good, he's gone, you know. Now let's let's get to work. The negative way is you would think if they wanted him gone, but I don't see any teammate would want him gone because he's such a good player. You know, we're not talking about an average or even a pretty good player. You know, we're talking about, you know, one of the best players in the whole league, you know? Yeah. So I don't think the players really wanted him to go. I always said it too. Like this is a trade you don't want to make, but it's a trade you had to make. If, if that you go. makes it more sense. Well said. You know? I, I, well I said. No, nobody wants to trade Jamal Adams. Nobody. No. But you know what? If the guy doesn't want to be here, if he was here during the year, you don't know how he was going to play, how it was going to work out. You know, they just had to make this move. And they got an offer they couldn't refuse. So, I mean, if they got a bad deal, you know, like a one first-round pick or something, then you could say, eh, was it really worth it? But definitely had to make the move. But, I, you know, between Gates and – and Donald, now it's going to be like, who do you believe? You know, are you going to believe the guy that was crying the whole time uh, on Twitter and everything else, making crazy statements, doing the, the interview with uh, Manish, which is, that's questionable right there, <laughs> talking to him. So, aye, aye, aye. Wanna, yeah, so whoever you want to agree with or whoever you want to believe, I guess, is the way you want to go down. But that's the way it sounded like to me between those two guys. This is, this is, this is the funniest thing about the whole thing. Like, I... Following this whole story, um, uh, I think uh, there's um, this guy that uh, that uh, that sh that gets interviewed on uh, Scott Mason interviews all all the time. Shout out to Scott Mason! I listen to his stuff a lot. But he brings up this this man, this guy that used to be a front office uh, guy for I think it's for the Bucks a lot, and he's like a personnel uh, guy or PR guy. PR that's what he does for a job. And he basically said 
that he thought that the whole thing of Adams making all this noise was basically a kind of an act. And Adams wanted out. And, and I didn't leave him until the news came out that Adams, by um, Rappaport, that Adams had tried to get the Cowboys players to speak to, the, to, their, to their people to get him over to Dallas. So if, so if that's true, that means he lied about a lot of things, you know, that he, li- he lied because he basically came out and said that news, if you heard any kind of rumor that I'm trying to get my, get, work my way out of New York, it's false. It was true. He, be, he did try to go out. So him trying to then turn around and say, Joe Douglas said this, and Adam, he doesn't like Adam Gase and all this other stuff. Even going back to the days when he had Ryan Clark talking crap about, about Sam on TV, this has all been a way for Adams to get out of town, you know? So on the one hand, just because of those, all these things, the Jets had to do something about Adams. Um, but think about it on the other hand. Even if Adams was being good, you have to think about it on, like, on a larger scale. The Jets needed to get better. And even with Adams, who made them better, they could not get to the level where we would be satisfied as fans. Or even as an organization, they wouldn't be getting better. It would be hard because you know then you have to pay him and then all this other stuff. So if, even if he wasn't being all, doing all this outlandish stuff, in my opinion, if Seattle approached the Jets with that haul, even when he was being calm, I would take the trade. Because this is more of a large-scale move for the Jets, for the Jets to kind of solidify themselves as an organization, for Joe Douglas to solidify himself as a GM. So, I, so on, on the whole, for me, Joe Douglas did a phenomenal job, even the way he answered his questions, mm-hmm. um, basically um, kind of nullifying the whole, oh, you know, I, you know, I never lied to him. I wasn't even trying. I never even was trying to be ambiguous at all. Hey, man, kudos to the man. Definitely. Uh, I, I think Jamal Adams, this is so messed up in so many ways. Jamal Adams, and in, in finally hearing that, the, the real story of what happened at that trade deadline, there's the one man's story, there's another man's story, and then there's the true story. <clears throat> For us to finally get the true story that he went out and, and called the Dallas players and saying, yeah, get Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones to get me here, and so forth and so forth, and, and having distance, I guess, the defense of that locker room, I guess, being distance is, is such freaking ridiculous. It's ridiculous on Adam's part. And he probably thought the story would never get out. He made it seem like, you know, he's innocent. And gays, you know, and, and we know, and we all, well, trust me, most of us, 90% of us Jets fans is not on the gays wagon, but what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. Gays might have had his opinions and his feelings, but Adams, that is the, that is the worst way to, to leave out. I mean, you got what you wanted, but like they say, karma is a mother, is a mother effort. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so if this don't work out and they don't give you this deal, you know, you still will get a deal somewhere else, but 
Seattle's not even in a rush to give you a new deal. They said they said we'll see what happens after this year. You know, and they traded you, so they they expecting you to to have to be this ball hawk, which 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 he's which he's not. But he's one of the great. <laughs> well, he's one of the greatest. You know, but he's one of the he's top three safety. You know, if not number one, he's top three safety, and. They expecting you to to ball your ass out, so it's no excuses. Seattle don't play that shit. So, yeah, you have two years to prove yourself. <laughs> at this at this case, oh, this is gonna come down to a to be continued, I think. With, yes, uh, with with um, with Jamal Adams in Seattle, because like you said, they gotta sign him now. Like whatever happens this year, because we have no idea what's gonna happen this season with the uh, with the COVID and all that. So who knows if they can even get through a season and we have a Super Bowl, but. Next offseason, they're going to have to figure out, like, are we going to pay this guy $20 million a year if that's what he really wants? I don't know. I, I think that's crazy, but someone's going to end up paying him one way or the other. He's going, to get, he's going to get his money. I mean, they might have to trade him to some other team that wants to give him the money, but I don't know. It's going to be interesting how this, how this all works out. All right. And yeah, it, last, no, go right ahead, Sean. Go right ahead. No, I, I'm. I, I just wanted to make make the last point that um, that this whole this whole thing would not happen, in my opinion, under any of our previous GMs. That's why the whole Great. the whole talk of the Jets have not do, done this since whatever time, or the Jets haven't done this, and they have, and their their organization is this, and their that or whatever. This needs to be. This needs to stop already. Enough with it. We the the Jets basically changed their GM for this particular reason to change the way things are done. And from the day this man was hired, almost everything he's done is totally different than any GM has done in the last what, Chris, fifteen years as a as the Jets. Yeah. There's there's no real conservativeness because to me that's what it's been. It's like everybody, like they've been scared to take risks and they've been scared to kind of put their thumb on whatever the deal is. And, and in my opinion, well, not only my opinion, because there's actually facts behind this, that there was a lot of organizational interference into the football side of, of things, you know. And you could tell this man is doing what he's got to do, you know. And he has a he has six-year deal and he's totally tied into what uh, what the Jets supposed are going to be in the, for the last, for the next couple of years, and I think this is the beginning of something brand new. Is it going to be a good thing? We don't know yet, but it's going in a direction that we haven't seen in a while. And let's just give him the the time to structure the organization the way he feels like it. And in my opinion, I like the way it's going. The whole, the one thing we got to just hope for is that. Did Johnson stay out of Joe Douglas's way? Let him, let him control all the football stuff. Let him put together this team because he's got a vision. And just trust in the guy that you hired as the GM to build this team. And I think he's going in the right direction. You know, I mean, it's this was technically, I, you know, we spoke about this. This was technically his only his first off season with the with the team. His first draft, first free agency. You know, like last year, obviously came after all that. But um, this is the first one. So, and so far, he's doing a pretty good job. I mean, we'll have to wait and see how this all works out. But so far, so good, you know? 
And I think the Johnsons got their own uh, thing. They got a little situation <laughs> going on. So I, so I think he is like Joe Douglas do do his thing because less of that, we would have never had so much so much leverage with deals and <laughs> draft picks and all this other stuff. But we could get on that to, uh, later on. But uh, one more thing, uh, Tannenbaum uh, has some comments to say. Uh, Charmin, could you uh, – Tell us what his comments was. Um, I think it was about Revis, I think, if I if I recall right. Yeah, you're right. Um, he basically was uh, trying to um, equate what happened with uh, Joe Douglas and Adams to his situation with uh, with um, with, uh, with Revis, which is, to me, a crock of, crock of crap. You know, I don't understand whether, whether other than the fact that they're too of the best NFL players that the Jets have had, I don't see the 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 way you put where you know where they come up come together. I don't understand. You know, I think he was kind of pounding his chest there a little bit um, because I don't think that's the same. You know, Re- Revis War wasn't doing anything in the locker room. All you know, he wasn't being a petty guy. He wasn't you know out there shouting to the world that the Jets suck and they need to get let me go. You know, I know Adams wasn't saying that specifically, but the way he was acting, that's what he was portraying it as, you know. Um, and Revis, all Revis wanted was his money. That was it, you know. So to, to equate the two is ridiculous, in my opinion, you know. So I, I you know, there's, there's been a lot of pundits and a lot of people out there. Again, when this, came, when this happened and there wasn't all the further news that was broken by the NFL, by the NFL Network and ESPN, Everybody jumped down the Jets' throats. You know, yes, it's a big hole, but they traded away a player, and they, they're going to create a, 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 a situation where now everybody that wants to be traded, all they have to do is make noise. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. The Jets, the team, there's nobody on the Jets that has that kind of attitude that's on the level of Jamal Adams. So you, it's very rare to have a player like that 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 not only has the kind of talent, but also has the kind of attitude off the field that the guy had. So this is going to be a rare occasion. It's not going to happen again. It's not going to create a situation where everybody's going to come to the Jets, to Joe Douglas's office begging, if you don't trade me, I'm going to start creating a scene in the media. No, that's not going to happen. So, so stop with that. You know, uh, the, 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 and, and Mike Tannenbaum trying to equate the two situations to me, that's ridiculous. I think he was just trying to make himself relevant because he's not. Um, um, I think I think Joe Joe Douglas is a hell of a GM. Even in his in his in the first couple months, has done a much better job as as G, as Jeff GM than Mike Tannenbaum ever had, ever did. Yeah, did Tannenbaum should have reminded everybody that he didn't sign uh, Revis long term either. He just basically gave him a, a one. Year, didn't he give him a one year deal, or right for just, whatever the hell it was? A ridiculous right. amount of money it was. And yeah, then, and then they ended up trading him to Tampa. So there you go. I don't know what he was bragging about or trying to say anything bad. I mean, he was stuck in basically the same situation, only with a more quiet guy. But he's basically in the same situation. That top player that wanted money. You know, they wanted to get signed, and I guess they couldn't get a. You know, they just couldn't work out a contract. But you know, you can't say Douglas did bad in, in this situation. I mean, he did as good as possibly have been done. 
you know, in, in it, taking all the variables, right, with the COVID going on, the uncertainty yeah. next year of the salary cap, and then you have Adams spewing off stuff almost every day about wanting traded, this, that, the interview with Manish, and then he still got more than anybody thought he would get. So I don't know how you could put Douglas down in this situation. It's impossible. Yeah, I, I, again, I don't think he was particularly trying to put Douglas down. I think he was trying to equate the two situations. Oh. And I disagree with you. You said that, that they were even close to being no. the same. You know, because even if Rivers didn't want to sign because he did because they didn't want to pay him the amount of money, he wasn't creating a, a hell for the organization. Yeah, he was just he was, sit out. He was right. just gonna, he was just going to sit out. But that's you yeah. Know. But that's yeah. The like everything was quiet because you wouldn't hear from Rivers. Rivers wasn't on no TV shows, no internet, nothing. You know, so you're not you're not having all these um, pundits constantly talking about how there's a. A problem with the Jets organization, and and even the guy that's supposed to be the leader is shouting and stuff, whatever, whatever. If you remember, the talk around town and in the media was not that Revis was a bad guy; it's just that Revis wants his money. That was it. You know, this was a totally different experience for the Jets GM. And to make it worse, Tannenbaum had been a GM before. He had never um, – Joe, Joe Douglas was dealing with a situation where he had never dealt with anything like that in his, in his, as a GM before. This was his first chance as a GM to deal with a superstar player that wanted his way. And he dealt with it exactly professionally as possible. Yep. You know, so to me, to me, to equate the two situations was ridiculous. And um, Like I said, again, kudos to Joe Douglas for the way he handled that. All right. Uh, let's let's move on a little bit. Um, Bryce Hall, Shaheen Carter is replaced on the reserve slash COVID nineteen list. Uh, from Rich Semini, um, he said just because they just because they on that list doesn't mean they tested positive. Uh, basically, a player can be placed on the list due to potential exposure, but when the players is activated and healthy, they can basically get off the list. And one of our offensive linemen of uh, Leo Leo Colo Colo I ain't gonna say his whole last name. He opted out to get his money. Um, uh, real quick, Chris, how important is it for uh, Bryce Hall to uh, maybe try to come back? I think he's I think he's not gonna be uh, ready to play when the season starts, right? Yeah, that I'm not sure. You know, we'll have to wait and see. Um, and you know what? It's a good sign that so far it's only these two guys that are that have been put on this list. So far, it looks like we're doing good with positive, negative, whatever, you know, uh, good tests in our, on our team. Um, that's, that's a good positive right there. Um, you know, when you see baseball, you know, what's going on with the Marlins, where you got, I think it's up to 16 or 17 players now that tested positive. It's a little scary, you know, because if that happens in football, what's going to happen? You know, there's only 16 games. It's not like baseball where you make it up and, it's it's there's so many questions coming into this year. I mean, we could go on forever, uh, but um, yeah, I mean, it's only two guys. I think it's more out of precaution. Maybe they were, maybe they had interactions with somebody who did test positive, so they're they're being put on the side, kind of quarantined for a couple of days, and probably if they test negative two straight days, I think then they could come back. So. Um, you'd like to get them back anyway as soon as possible, so this way you can evaluate them one way or the other. 
you know, if, if he looks like, all right, this guy's going to take too long to recuperate from the surgery he had and all that, then, um, you know, then you could rehab him for the year, basically redshirt him. But um, you know what? The sooner he's back, the sooner they could figure out, you know, in what direction he's going to be in. So. Yeah, that's good points, Chris. Um, let's 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 move to some NFL. Uh I think I think what we need to speak on this. Uh Chargers, Joey Bosa, five year, hundred thirty five million extension. Um, next six years, seventy eight million, fully guaranteed the signing and hundred two guaranteed. Uh it's a new NFL defensive record. Uh Charmin, how how is this how <laughs> How did this deal come, come, come? Because we didn't expect we didn't expect this to happen. This was out the blue. Uh, I, I, I don't. I wouldn't say it was out completely out the blue. You're totally right that I don't think a lot of people saw, especially that kind of money going down right at this moment. But we kind of uh, spoke about it a while ago about the fact that they would have to pay one of their or both of their pass rushes. And very soon. So it looks like Joey Bosa is the one that gets paid first and he sets a record. This was a franchise record. I think that's the first time they ever played a player over a hundred mil in one contract. Um, he has like over a hundred million dollars in guarantees. I think 75 million at signing. Sheesh. I mean, <laughs> ridiculous amounts of money, man. Um, but this tops uh, uh, um, the Browns deal with uh, Miles Garrett, which was, I think, was the guarantees was just under 100 or it was just 100 on the nose in guarantees. Um, so um, but the thing that kind of sticks out to me here is how close in production these two players are. I think in the last three years, both players have averaged about 30 what is it 31 or 32 sacks you know so you know um this is ridiculous the next player on that list would be uh our friend Yannick Ngakwe uh with with 31 sacks in the last three years so so imagine how much money he would be asking for so um <laughs> uh it, it's just it's just incredible amounts of money man um but that's a premium position in the NFL. Uh, that's the position that basically kind of changes the game in a second. It could change the game in a second. So that's where the money's going to be. Um, I think somebody made a point during the week that, um, that it's, it's, it's crazy that teams keep doing all the giving away all this money and all this draft capital for players that are not quarterbacks. Imagine if a quarterback at the height of his career was in his free agent, was allowed to be a free agent, how much capital or how much money would get paid? I mean, we, I mean, people still can't go get over the fact that Kirk Cousins got 90 something million dollars uh, guaranteed. And it was Kirk Cousins, which everybody thinks is a middle of the wood, wood quarterback for at best. Right. Imagine yeah. it was somebody like uh, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> right. You know, it would be impossible. You know, that's why I think one of the reasons why a lot of fans uh, can't comprehend the numbers is because you can't, there's nothing to compare it with. You know, uh, the highest, if, if there was more free, I mean, not that it would be stupid for teams to allow their best players, especially quarterbacks, to become free agents. But if you would have multiple quarterbacks become free agents, 
the amount of money they're paying defensive ends right now would pale in comparison. I mean, the amount of money you would be paying quarterback would, would be ridiculously, you know, higher than anything you've seen right now. So, yes, it's a ridiculous amount of money for a defensive end or outside linebacker, but most definitely uh, these guys, these guys uh, take, they basically impact the game at a very, very high level, man. And, and they need to be compensated as such. Well, here's, here's some numbers yearly salary for the top defensive players in the league, right? You got Boza now is at $27 million a season. That's what he yeah. averages. Miles Garrett's right behind him at 25. Then you got Khalil Mack at 23 and a half. Uh, Aaron Donald is at 22 and a half. Demarcus Lawrence is at 21. DeForest Buckner, 21. Frank mm-hmm. Clark, 20.8. And Chris Jones is at 20, and Von Miller at 19, and then Trey Flowers is at 18, rounding out the top 10, along with Wagner. Wagner's at 18 as well. Yep. So there you go. A lot of the people that said, "Oh, we should now we should trade for Ngakwe," <laughs> you know, we have this extra first round pick. Yeah, that's great. But next year you're gonna next off season you're gonna have to sign this guy, and look what you're gonna have to sign him for. 25 at least. Yeah, that's the going rate for top edge rusher right and you know whatever yep. you want to call him but that's what you're going to pay him definitely over 20 million for sure oh yeah between 20 and 25 i would think i don't think he's going to get yep. boza but you know but so, but this is the thing though that, like i just said he and bosa basically in the same amount of time i mean i know bosa had missed games uh so but but the gap between them in production is not that big it's no. like a few sacks. So Bosa, you can Bosa. I know a lot of people like to say that because Bosa's name is big and stuff like that, but Ngakwe is not that very far away from him. And to me, I I feel like they're in the same tier. I think him, Garrett, and and Bosa is kind of in the same tier. Well, look at it this way. Ngakwe in the four years he's played, he's got thirty-eight sacks in four seasons. Yeah. In the four seasons Bosa has played. I think he's at he's at forty. Yeah, same same thing. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So he's the right only pe- the only guy that has had more sacks in the same amount of times as um, has more sacks than Garrett, Bosa, and and Gakwe is Chandler Jones, and the number is ridiculous too. He has like fifty something sacks or something like that in the same mm-hmm. amount of time that these dudes had like thirty something and forty. <laughs> yeah, Bosa has forty, but he did miss nine games yes. in twenty eighteen yes. and he missed yep. uh, about three games in his first season. But still, yep. I mean these guys are pretty close. So Ngakwe's gonna get, you know, right about that money. Yeah. If you're gonna take bring him in town, you bet you have to pay him. And so, this is and this at the end of the day, and this is what I gotta ask Jets fans, because I because I constantly see people um kind of the consternation about paying a player of that impact. We cry all the time about the fact that we don't have an edge rusher. You know why we don't have an edge rusher? Because no, because maybe the Jets don't want to pay an edge rusher because that's what an edge rusher would cost. Right. This is the thing. You can't, it's hard to draft them because they're very impactful players and they normally go high or when they're free agents, you don't want to pay them because it's too much. Which one is it? Because you need one. If we were going to become um, evolve into the team that we want to be, which is a dominant NFL team, 
You need a pass rusher. The Chargers have two of them. They, they just paid one of them 130 something million dollars. You know, um, Garrett, the Browns have one. They pay, just paid him over 100 million guaranteed. So if you want to be on that level, it's either you're going to have, you have to have some elite players at impactful positions. You have to have the quarterback, you have to have the edge rusher, and uh, what, what, what else would you say? A left tackle? Definitely. You know? To protect that's the what, quarterback. Right. Exactly. And this is what I'm saying. So, so you, know, if we could fin- you know, if we could find a way to get Ngakwe in town and pay him, I'm all for it. And for Jets fans to tell me, oh, I don't like the numbers, you know. But that's really? you got to pay him. <laughs> you don't like it, really? but that's you got to pay him. <laughs> it's not. It, it, what do you want? You want the Super Bowl or not? Because trust, is, me, trust, and, trust and believe, I don't care how much the Johnsons have to pay. If that means that I'm going to be drunk um, in Manhattan <laughs> in the parade after, this one of, after the Jets win the Super Bowl, I'm in. <laughs> but here's the thing, too, which is saying, with Boza, right, they just signed him to this big contract. Next year, Ingram is going to be a free agent. And Allen will be a we free see, agent. So that's yeah, almost $30 million coming off their cap. Yeah. And we think about it. About we're that. on the opposite end of that, right? Because now with the Jets, we have to sign our franchise quarterback. The Chargers don't have a franchise quarterback making $30 million a, a year, right? Tyrod Taylor is going to be their starter, and they're, and they're going to have uh, – the rookie Herbert coming up, hoping that he's going to be the answer. Right, but but, so, but my question to you, Chris, is this: name the team in the league that that is dominant team that doesn't have at least five players. Oh, okay. Let's say I would say three players that are getting paid insane amount of money. Name the team for me, because right. all of them do. The Saints do. The Chiefs do. Uh. The, I think the only team you could think of right now, I could think of that doesn't get paid an insane amount of money that have, no, they do. The Ravens, because the, the Ravens have a bunch of, their salary cap is a mess. Mm-hmm. You know, in at least a year, I think they're going to have to figure a way out, out of the way they can't, their salary cap is. Um, so it's, this is what I'm saying. You have to sacrifice the cap. You have to figure out a way to make the cap work for you. Even if it means that you sometimes have to go really close to that, you know, hit the cap here, you know, because that's what you have to do. The, the Chiefs just paid Chris Jones all this money. They just paid their quarterback all this money, you know, and they're going to pay everybody else on, to keep themselves in that hunt for this, to be, become a dominant NFL team and remain a dominant NFL team. If you want to be on that level, you have to pay that money. If you, can, if you don't want to, then... You'll be mediocre. Well, here's the thing, right? With the Chiefs or any good team, like what you're saying, that has a lot of a few good players that have paid a lot of money. Right. They have those guys, their top three, maybe four or five guys, but then the rest, you have to draft well. You yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, and then you have your window, right? You have your three yes, or four year window yep. that the Chiefs are going to have, that the Saints have, that yep. every team has. They have that window. Yep. Where you have, you know, four or five guys making ridiculous money, and then you fill it in with the rest of was good draft picks and some veterans here and there that aren't making a lot of money, right? Yeah, and that's, and what, that's why not done, right? <laughs> and that's why Joe Douglas is important because this is what I'm saying again. Since if we're gonna bless Joe Douglas as the best new GM we've ever had, 
and he's gonna take us to the promised land, which I keep hearing Jets fans saying all over the all over. Mm-hmm. We know we have six years, right? We know what we gotta do. We need to one cultivate our quarterback, and two get some crazy talent in town, even if it means paying them ridiculous sums of money. For three or four years, we need to stack that talent and draft well behind them so that we have a chance to become a dominant NFL team. As simple as that. Even if it means paying people $25 million a year, you got to do it. And here's the other thing, too. I'm just saying real fast. When you talk about Baltimore, right? Baltimore, you said they're in cap hell. And guess what? Guess who's going to be a free agent? Oh, yeah. In another year. Yeah. Lamar Jackson is making like $2 million this year. And he's going to make a million dollars next year. So guess what he's going to want to do after this year? Yeah. He's going to want to get paid. If he, if he has another – anything close to what he had last year, he's going to be like, okay, let me see $35, $40 million a year. And then yeah. the Ravens are going to have to do some cutting or rearranging. Yeah. <laughs> right? But that's what the GM's job is, right? There you go. And he's going to be making his money. <laughs> I'll tell you that. He's definitely going to be uh, earning his money. Yeah, great point. Um, shout out to Bolster uh, on the contract. Uh, speaking of contract – uh, breaking news, 49ers agreed to terms with John Lynch. Um, they said it's a five-year deal. Uh, they're working a little bit, I guess, on a you know, f- few little things. But he will be there with Kyle Shanahan until, I think, 2024, 2025. Uh, and also they're working on the new deal with George Kittle, and they're talking about it could be a long deal, a, long, a long-term deal. So I can't wait to see that. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, but shout out to John Lynch. Um, that's on the second contract, along with Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers. I guess they 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 like they they coach and they love they coach and they GM to make it happen. So shout out to them. Um, let's talk about the COVID nineteen and uh, what we just saw from the lot the Lions locker room with all <laughs> look like a whole bunch of plastic. Um, <laughs> uh, how's this going to play out with the with the uh, with the locker rooms on and trying to stay safe, um, you know players are opting out too, so it's kind of it's kind of a little bit difficult. So uh, yeah, Chris, um, how how you think it's going to play out? Because it seems like it's a lot going on. Well, I I think the the players that haven't opted out yet, which is the, you know obviously the majority, I think they're going to go in and start you know start checking out the facilities and seeing how everything is going to be between the testing and how clean everything is going to be and how safe they're going to feel while they're at these facilities working out. And I think they're going to, you know, really come to a decision one way or the other, these next few days going to the, you know, going to the team's facilities and seeing how everything is because they do have to make a decision by, you know, by the, within the seven days of signing this new protocols contract. So um, it was supposed to be the third. It might be next Wednesday. It's seven days from the time they signed it. They haven't signed it yet. So you would think at least seven days from today. So I think they're all going to go, you know, the ones that haven't opted out yet, they're going to go and check out these facilities, see how safe they look and how, how safe they, they're going to feel going to these uh, facilities and, and practicing. I think they got to know more information before they make a final decision, you know, unless they have a, an extreme uh, outlining physical condition, you know, medical condition that 
you know, they, they don't want to risk it. But um, yeah, I, I think the next few days is going to be big, you know, obviously teams are going to do everything that they possibly can to keep these guys, you know, safe from any exposure to the virus. Um, but then the bottom line it's going to come down to is the player's responsibility when they're not at the facility, when they're home, or if they go out and do whatever they do, are they going to be careful wearing a mask, you know, washing their hands as much as they can and doing all this kind of things and staying safe as possible. That's, that's where it's going to come down to, you know, because I'm sure the facilities are going to be spotless where you're going to be able to eat off the floor. You know, that's how clean these places are going to be. You know, they're going to have it spotless probably and, and germ free. So I, I don't think that's going to be the problem. I still think it's going to be on, on the player's side to be, you know, incredibly responsible, you know, just like we are, you know, when we go out, we got to do what we got to do. I'm sure they got to do the same. And um, I, I, I think that's in, in the end that that's what it, it's going to come down to, but um, we'll see. Like I said, I think the facilities are going to be spotless. So I don't think that's going to be the problem. So. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think, yeah, I think the NFL is going to do the best that they can. And, you know, as big of an organization as the NFL is, the best that they can is getting the best minds behind this. Like I've said before, you know, trying to make points, you know, trying to, you know, cover as much points as possible when it comes to this um, with the guide using the guidelines of the CDC and um, and everybody's in and all the health organizations involved. Um, in my opinion, um, like Chris said, I think I agree wholeheartedly with the fact that I think it's up to the players and uh, the only way this is going to work is as um, how responsible everyone, every man is, you know, if you being responsible and doing what you're supposed to do, I think, I think that, and everybody keeps getting tested and there's no pe nobody with, uh, with actively positive tests running around, touching everybody, then this would, you know, I think this could work. The problem is, um, you know, like I, again, who's going to be responsible and what Davin touched on, I think, um, about uh, players opting out. Um, I think, I think there is a kind of a misrepresentation of the, uh, of the opting out going on because to me, a majority of the people opting out are people that actually have issues to deal with. Um, for example, Marcus Cannon, the uh, start offensive tackle for the Patriots, the dude survived cancer. So he had a, he has an underlying issue, you know, you don't want to survive cancer and then go catch this, you know, you don't know how, how it's going to interact with the fact that your body, you know, whatever your body's in situation is after surviving cancer, you don't want to, you know, endanger your life on, you know, with this. So that's being responsible. Um, I think uh, Dante Hightower had his first baby a few weeks ago. I think the kid is only a few weeks old. You know, so his wife is still, you know, recovering from giving birth to a child. He doesn't want to interact with her and give her something. And then, you know, so he's been responsible. So there's a lot. I think even the guy from the Chiefs, um, he's a he's a medical doctor. You know, he, he opted out because he figured, you know, he is better out there fighting the virus than playing football right now. I, I ain't mad at him for that. You know, and a lot of the other players, you know, they're just, you know, they feel like it's best for them to, you know, to be 
you know, earning whatever amount of money the NFL is going to give them, which is Chris, what is it, like $100,000 or whatever? I think it's one fifty if they opt yeah, out. One fifty. Then if right. it's uh, they high risk, then it's three hundred fifty thousand. If if they feel like they, I guess they can get it. They the ones that can get it faster than anybody else. Right, and this is what I'm saying. Like to and the guys I've mentioned before, like Cannon and and Hightower, they've been in the league for a while, and they you know they've they're they're accomplished players, you know, and to add that on top of what I just said about their risks to their families and to themselves, you know, I think it's responsible for them to do what they're doing. I think, I think that, I think what would stand out more if any, if anything is if a prominent player with who is single and doesn't have any family or anything, just all of a sudden opted out. I think that would be more of a big deal than these guys that have families that they're trying to come, um, you know, take care of, or they themselves have underlying issues. I think that I think that doesn't stand out in my opinion. I think what would stand out was if some young guy just opted out. I think that would definitely stand out. And they're also pushing the contract a year for you know, I think basically pausing the contract. Like this year is like I think Hightower would say he's gonna make eight point five, whatever this year. He's gonna make that next year. You know what I mean? Instead of twenty twenty, it'll be twenty twenty one. Hmm. So you know, it's not like if, uh, if he has one year left on his contract, he's going to be a free agent next year. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. And yeah. I think also, uh, since we talk about that, uh, the players holding out. Um, I, I, I think we didn't get too much detail about it, but I think they're supposed to lose, what, 50000 every day? But don't they have to sign it? Uh, Swami, if you, if, you know, if you know more about that, could you give us much more details? Uh, yeah, I, I, I know a little bit about it. I think Chris and I were having this conversation off air before we were talking about um, about it. And um, I think the details are kind of uh, kind of what you just said. I think I think they stand to lose way more money than before. I think it was part of the recent uh, CBA. If I uh, Chris, right? Am I right? I don't say that again. I'm sorry. I was it was 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 the agreement of the the um, the Penalty for holding out fifty thousand dollars was that part of the recent CBA or was that? Yes, it was. Right. So, so, so from from then on, everybody's holding out. It's just gonna lose a bunch of money, and when you're losing that kind of money, teams just gonna wait you out. You know, um, I think the the former Chargers running back, now Broncos running back, uh, what's his name? Um, you know, lost a bunch of money. You saw that happened to him, and then he had to come back. So, so you see, you see the T, um, NFL owners and uh, all NFL organization on the whole basically putting it out there that players, uh, you know, they're going to, you know, penalize players for holding out. And you're not going to see that much holding out anymore. It's true. Um, that's why, you know, uh, what's his name reported um, for the Vikings, um, you know, especially – Right, especially Cook, like especially a guy who's who didn't sign a big contract yet, and is not making a ton of money. I can't see them sitting, at, you know, not not showing up. I mean, it's going to be fifty thousand every day. That's a lot for a guy who's, you know, who didn't sign a thirty-five, you know, twenty-something million dollar contract like Bosa just did. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, no, I I think you're not going to see these holdouts. Uh, you might still see it maybe with a, a veteran player that's already made money and figures out, you know, I'll sit out. But um, 
Yeah, it'll it'll definitely be. Um, it, I, I don't I don't think you're going to see these holdouts as much. I mean, it was a good move on the on the owners to have that put into the contract, and you know I'm surprised the union okayed that mm-hmm. because now they have no um, they have no bar you know their bargaining power or bargaining chip is is gone. You know now they yeah. can't do that, so I don't know what they could do. So, Speaks to the weakness of the NFLPA, in my opinion. Yes, you I know. Mean, to, I always say you know, that got the the weakest union of the all the sports leagues. It's yeah, it's ridiculous the amount of stuff that gets snuck in by the owners into the into these contracts, and the things the players get back to me are, are selfish in 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 so many ways. Um, I can't believe that the players would argue um, over all the things or deficiencies that you would say the NFL has. Um, they're definitely arguing for less preseason games is bull crap, in my opinion, when there's more things, things that stand out in, you know, for contracts uh, and for players in the NFL that, that, that are more negative than that, in my opinion. Uh, so, so I think, I think the NFLPA has done a disservice to, to the NFL players, unfortunately. Eesh. It's critical. So oh, yeah. we'll figure out more about that as as uh, now the training camp is here. Hopefully, we'll know some more about that as the weeks go go by. Um, also, uh, Chris Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he said, you know, his time is coming to an end in Green Bay after they drafted Jordan Love. Uh, could you agree with, with what Rodgers said and why? Yeah, he was on a podcast with uh, Brent from uh, NFL uh, Network, and um, I just saw a part of it. They posted a clip of it, and, um, you know, he was basically talking about his experience on draft night, you know, when they were – when they traded up into the first round, or I don't know, did they trade up? I forgot. But he was expecting them to draft a wide receiver, and uh, he named a couple of guys that he thought that they were going to draft. And then when they drafted Jordan Love, he said he took uh, – what was his – he said four fingers of, uh, of sipping tequila. <laughs> and he knew once that once that uh, pick was uh, selected, he knew he was going to get a lot of calls, seeing if he was okay with it, and and all that. So he basically said, "Hey, you know, it's a business. It definitely surprised him, but but he also sees like, you know, what my days are numbered here. Not to say he's going to get traded this year, you know, but um, he said, you know, it's because it happened to me, you know, when." when Favre was here, but he goes, I sat out the first couple of years and I had no problem with that. But, uh, you know, it's a different NFL now, you know, now you're going to see, we see rookie quarterbacks starting right away. Like I said, I don't think Jordan Love is starting this year, not by a long shot, but, um, uh, you know, he basically said, I could see my, my days that are numbered here. And so, but when you look at his contract, you know, he's got 51 million in dead cap this year and $31 million in dead cap money next year. So I personally don't see him going either year, either this year or next year. But after that, you know, I could definitely see it. But then again, he's going to be 38 after the 2021 season. So, but the dead cap is only 17 and then two in his final year. So his last two years, he's only got $19 million in dead cap. So that's not going to be too bad. So a team that's looking for a veteran quarterback we could see making that move to trade for him, you know, 
But uh, not this year or not next year. At least I don't see it. I mean, that's a lot of money for Green Bay to just, you know, to keep on their cap. So, but uh, it is interesting that he's he's already kind of looking ahead to saying, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to finish my career in Green Bay. I've been here my whole life. He basically grew up with them. You know, he was saying that because I've been here since I was 21 years old, you know? So he's been living in Green Bay. He loves the area, but he knows it's it's probably going to be, you know, not going to be his final uh, place where he's going to play. So it'll be interesting in another year or two, we're going to start hearing the Roger rumors, you know, the Rogers rumors, I should say, where he's going to end up, what team is going to end up trying to trade for him. And it'll start clearing itself out, you know, in another year where we think he's going to go. But it was just interesting what, what he did say, you know. Yeah, I think why it's interesting is it's it's the one guy that everybody always says that he is he has this negative attitude and he he's rude and all this stuff. Him being so vulnerable like that on a podcast of every of any you know any other place is kind of you know it's kind of out of what you know it's different from how he's being put portrayed. But I think I you know I kudos to him for for being honest about the whole thing because I, everybody knows if they were in this situation, how they would feel. And he basically came out and said, it was true, you know, and, you know, and it, it's ridiculous. If you, if you're the player that Aaron Rodgers is, we all know who Aaron Rodgers is and what he stands for. I don't care what anybody says. Oh, his numbers is dipped and all this other crap. Uh, he's one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, hands down. One of the more dangerous quarterbacks in the NFL. So um, not giving him the weapons to, for your team to be better is kind of ridiculous, you know. And then, you know, not only doing that, but also basically negating, giving him the weapons to plan for your future. You know, it's, it's almost like you're basically telling him without telling him that, hey, man, your, your days are numbered. And that's how, that's how it is, you know. And he, he said that's how we felt. You know, um, I don't blame him for feeling that way. You know, I'm fine with it, you know, but anybody that's out here counting Aaron Rodgers out, they must be crazy because this man has shown you over and over again, it's hard to count him out. You know, I know he hasn't won as many Super Bowls as everybody thought that he is. He should have, but it's not only his fault. To me, in my opinion, this is more of an organizational issue than it is just Aaron Rodgers' issue. So, you know. I, like I said before, kudos to him for being vulnerable and, you know, actually being honest when, you know, everybody knew what was going on. So, yeah. definitely. Yeah, this is a to-be-continued story. So, we'll yeah. hear more as the as time moves along. Uh, so, Charmin, you know, you know, I'm going to have to, uh, I'm gonna have to uh, mess with you on this one. Uh, Josh Allen, <laughs> he's, he was in top 100. Carson <laughs> um, Wentz, Chris Boy, uh, uh, make top 100, and then you got Garoppolo that's 43 on the top 100. Come on, uh, yeah, Charmin, do you agree with this or or no? <laughs> I know you don't agree, Chris, but you know <laughs> I'm gonna let Charmin take the wheel yeah. on this one. This is this is the this is crazy, man. I mean, if this is if I mean, I every year this top 100 thing comes out. I'm I, I'm always cringing because I always kind of crazy. I know the numbers are going to go nuts. Like somebody's going to go somewhere that you don't understand. Like you just don't believe they should be. But this makes absolutely no sense. 
in my opinion. I know for sure that Carson Wentz is much better of a quarterback than Josh Allen is. Josh Allen is on a better team, was on a better team because the Eagles, unfortunately, most of their team, the most of that team was injured and the Bills were healthy all year. If you think about it, the name a prominent player on the Bills that was that got injured and was out the whole season. I, I don't remember them having one injury that was devastating. The Eagles had several, you know. So 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 all of a sudden saying that Carson Wentz is uh, is not one of the top 100 players in the NFL just because his team didn't make it to the playoffs or they made it to the playoffs and lost the first game is ridiculous. You know, and and all of a sudden, by comparison, saying that Josh Allen is one of the top 100 players, Josh Allen is not as much of a bum as everybody like, would like to say he is, but he is not better than Carson Wentz. This is ridiculous. Stop it. <laughs> it's amazing how he's not in the top 100, and they put Josh Allen in there. What do they do? They see what these? I, I it was I don't know. It it just it made no sense to me between the two guys. Uh, how Wentz was not in the top 100. It made no sense to me. I mean, and you put in Josh Allen. What has Josh Allen done that, you know, that you say, all right, he's definitely in the top 100. No, he's, he shouldn't be. It's just, it's mind-boggling. It's NFL Network, too, which that bothers me even more. You know, if it was some crappy newspaper or something or some kids getting together and doing something, all right, you know what? Maybe they're biased for their favorite team, or or they hate Philly, or something like that. But this made no sense. I don't know. Blew my mind. Oh, oh Jesus, oh, Josh, oh, Josh Allen, <laughs> so so inaccurate, and still make top one hundred. It, it amazed me. <laughs> and Jimmy thirty fourth. He really got thirty fourth. I think it was forty three. Forty third. Dude, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god like did they see what he did in the playoffs uh what did he throw for like oh, not even 100 yards in the two games that they won mm. it was like it was i know that you know he didn't have to but i mean come on and look what he did in the super bowl oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> I, I know you. I know you. No, you're right, that's bro. Why I, that's why I didn't uh, let you take the wheel on that one. <laughs> 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 but I mean, I mean, the top ten players. I think they. Uh, let me see. I'm trying to think. Uh, I think they said Russell Wilson, Michael Thomas, Patrick Mahomes, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Lamar Jackson, DeAndre Hopkins, Derrick Henry, uh, Gilmore, and Aaron Donald. Y'all agree with the top ten? Uh, what what say the, say the, say the, who was who was the top ten again? Aaron Donald. Hold on, let, uh-huh. me, let me go to the back. Uh, Aaron Donald, Christian McCaffrey. Um, who else was it? Aaron Donald, uh, Steph, uh, Stephen Gil, uh, Gilmore, um, Stephon Gilmore, Derrick Henry, DeAndre Hopkins, Lamar Jackson, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Patrick Mahomes, Michael Thomas, Russell Wilson. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. Any any kind of uh, you could change it however you want. I think those players are definitely a top top ten in the NFL, man. Right now, um, especially last year, when you look at what how they performed, most definitely. Uh, you know how I feel about Russell Wilson. George Kittle's is is a beast. I mean, um, 
just just the things that he's able to do, I think definitely, um, especially what he does within that offense is is incredible. Um, you know what Patrick Mahomes is, what he stands for. I mean, it goes on, man. I think I think all those guys deserve to be where they're supposed to be. Yeah. I just think like a guy like McCaffrey should be a little higher than than Henry because McCaffrey was didn't have. I think, the I think he was. I think oh, he, he was, was number oh. three. I think he oh, was, okay, I think right. was number three. Oh, okay. I think yeah. uh, Henry was like number eight or number nine. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. No, because I know you know McCaffrey had really no quarterback, you know, thrown for him, and the offensive line wasn't as good as say Tennessee's. Yes. Uh, Tennessee was a playoff team. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, they just go by the. I guess they they do their rankings by the previous year. I guess right. Yeah. No, I think the players. I think they. I think the that top one hundred players is actually voted on by NFL players. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. And I know Deshaun Watson went from 51 to 20. He's he's top 20. <laughs> they put him at number 20 this year. I mean, and I that, can't argue with I can't I can't really argue with that. I mean, I know I know how you I know what you mean. I I'm, you know, he, you know, um but I don't think I think he's been held back by a GM and a coach that, you know, we we know what we feel about uh O'Brien. But I, I think Deshaun Watson is—he is what he is. Definitely, he is one of the best NFL players in the league. Definitely, I would—I—I I, I won't sneeze on, on on that one. I think he is basically yeah. top twenty. I think you know what top twenty, top twenty-five. Guys, you know, you want to move him up a little bit. You want to move him down a little bit. I, I get that. That's not a problem. Right. To to keep a guy, I think like Wentz, even even with the year that he had last year, I mean. Well, what else do you want that guy to do with with basically <laughs> no receivers for most of the year? I don't know. I mean, the guy did pretty good. He still threw for over four thousand yards. Yes. <laughs> yeah, not to say yeah, but shout you know shout out to them. But yeah, uh, you you hate the rankings. You wish we could do we could do our own and <laughs> and, and leave it the way it is. Hey, we should. Know, it is tough. Top one hundred stuff, you know, because. Now you're putting in, you know, offense and defense. You know, it's one yes. thing to rank top quarterbacks or top running backs, top corners, you know, stuff like that. But to put them all together, I, I think that's really tough to do, you know, because you, yeah. you're going to leave out really good players out of that, you know. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Uh, then I think that's it for our podcast. Make sure to uh, follow us on Twitter, Just Fans Podcast. Um, we do this every week for y'all. And, but until next week, we're taking flight. Take flight.